Welcome to the Shulamite Podcast, an extension of Shulamite Ministries and Shulamite.com, with weekly interviews and teaching with author and speaker Martha Kilpatrick and hosted by John Enslow. This weekly podcast is a way to stay connected to the ministry. So come experience anointed messages, not giving just another method, but a living impartation. I'm thinking of the instance I took my hard-shell Baptist mother to a Vicki Jameson meeting. I don't know whether you remember Vicki. Um, wonderful female Bible teacher, minister. And Vicki, of course, went down the line laying hands on everybody, and everybody she laid hands on hit the floor. I mean, it was just that abrupt. And so, but my mom not only was uh, what we call predestinarian, hardline, old-time Baptist, but her grandfather and great-grandfather were preachers, and so she was well indoctrinated. And she got back to Miami, where she lived, and told one of her friends what had happened to her. And the friend said, well, Ruth, what was it like lying there on the floor? And her explanation was, she said, I just wanted them to go away and leave me alone. Wow. <laughs> and sometimes that is the best explanation. We can't really explain what it is that God is doing to us, but we do know the effect. We know that what God is doing is good and desirable. And now, I would imagine that most of us in this room have at some point had someone lay hands on us and we dropped to the floor. I would imagine that. May not be so. But, and falling is, is not what we're after. But what happens, the reason people fall, as my mom said, I couldn't stand up. <laughs> <laughs> But the reason we fall is that the Holy Spirit suddenly flashes so much rest, rest, restfulness into us. It's just not possible. Just not possible. started sharing about love. That's what Martha has lived before us Amen. and drawn us into Christ because she's loved us through that and to him and that's why it's so precious that you've given this explanation today because that's what that's why we're all here and it's just so precious that we've had this invitation this opportunity I'm just overwhelmed about it isn't that wonderful? And it was a rest while I was on the floor. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm getting back into that rest. Yes. And uh, she's prayed over me, and I've been on the floor. And I'm, I'm just very grateful for it. It's not, it's not scary at all. And I know you weren't scared once you were down there. Mm -hmm. right. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered into God's rest has ceased from his own labors. 
hear that. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. And he who has entered into God's rest has ceased from his own labors. That's very close to the accurate quotation. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. And he who, and we labor, get this, we labor to enter into that rest. Now that's enigmatic to say that we have to labor to enter into rest, but that's exactly what the scripture says, because before we can enter into God's rest, we have got, there are certain responsibilities for us to achieve. And one of those responsibilities is to be certain that we quieten down the noise and racket in our own minds. The reason we have to labor to enter into God's rest is because of the noise and racket in our own minds. We live in a world of static. There is commotion, there is fear, there is misunderstanding on every side. Doesn't matter whether it's the church, whether it's the political, the national, or the international, or the stock market, or whatever our focus is fixed on, we need that rest. And you can be as old as me, and I'm the oldest in the room. You can be as old as me, and you still need to enter into God's rest. And how are you going to get in it? You're going to have to labor to get in it. Well, labor in what way? It simply means there are a few personal battles <laughs> that we must win. Now, that's what this tract I brought for you, and this is more for your study later than for now. But the, when Titus, and I'll introduce you to the topic here, when Titus laid siege to Jerusalem in the year 70, Titus was the Roman general. He was the son of Vespasian, who was emperor. And the Jews had been a source of continual annoyance to Rome. And so Vespasian emperor sent his son Titus, go take care of the Jews, shut them up once and for all, quieten them down. And neither one of those men knew that Jesus himself, in a very calm way, had pointed to the stones of the temple years before and, and said, um, you fellows see these stones? And some of them were, oh, I, I've got the size of them in here. They were enormous. I, if you've been to Jerusalem, you've probably seen those stones. They're as long as this room, high as the ceiling, and half as wide as, as this carpet. They were everyone pushed aside. Jesus said, not one stone will be left standing upon another. And the disciples couldn't believe that. Those stones were there forever. They would be there until the end of time according to their opinion. That wasn't the way of, of all. 
They were there very temporarily, and Jesus knew that, told them, time's coming when these stones are going to be pushed aside. And that happened. Now, my reason for bringing that into our topic today is that God Almighty has entrusted to us, believe it or not, the same intensity of power in dealing with our opponent as what those stones were to the Romans and how the Romans dealt with them. First of all, when they got into the area of Jerusalem, they found the biggest tree they could find and cut it down. They took the section of the log and they made a pendulum out of it or a battering ram. And I want you to, in the reading this later, I want you to be sure you get this point, <clears throat> that when the battering ram, this enormous log, was hung by chains on a scaffold, then and they, these uh, battering rams had wheels on them, they built on the site, and then rolled it up against the city wall, and then the squadron of soldiers would pull the chain back and get set up a rhythm of thudding the wall. Thudding the wall. They didn't break the rhythm. They kept it going. In the beginning, it appeared, of course, that nothing happened because the, the battering ram would simply bounce off the stone. But they set up, hear this, they set up a vibration in the rock so infinitesimally small, it could not be seen. But the vibration broke that what's called the moment of inertia in the stone. Stone has been sitting there absolutely still, unmoving. It's still unmoving. But the difference is now <clears throat> a vibration has been set up in it which only the stone itself is conscious of, because you couldn't see it with the naked eye. Couldn't be seen. But the point is, the Romans knew that if they continued, this minute vibration they set up in the stone would begin to pass throughout the whole wall. Ever so slight that the whole wall would ultimately begin to feel that vibration. And as the vibration increased, and as their battering ram kept slamming back and forth against the wall, that ultimately, guess what would happen? That huge stone would move. Ever so slightly. But it was the system and the rhythm, and here's what's important, that would eventually destroy the wall. And exactly what Jesus said came to pass. In prayer, <clears throat> you and I oftentimes see absolutely nothing happening. And we can shrug our shoulders and walk away and say, well, that was so much wasted time because God never moved, never spoke, nothing ever happened. No, that's not the case. Because in the beginning of a spiritual warfare, we're not talking about just thudding a stone, but we're talking about spiritual warfare. 
in the beginning of the spiritual warfare, from the first blow, an announcement is made, you all are under attack. Satan knows that when Christians, with the words of their mouth, their testimony, their persistence, begin their task at the wall. Satan knows that. He knows he's under attack. And when Christians, in the persistency of prayer and the operation of faith, continue their work and their assignment, guess what happens? It ultimately moves. It moves. Hell panics when that first squeak, whatever it is, hell panics when that happens. And Christians who do not surrender their cause, but who are faithful in their spiritual warfare and their prayer, win. You know that it's impossible for us to lose. And that's a daresome statement. But it is impossible for Christians who apply themselves to the principles Christ taught. It's impossible for us to lose. He is the one, the voice, by whom the worlds were framed and everything in it. He is the one by whom all natural law was set in place. In the beginning, when God the Father spoke the word, and it was all implemented through the intercession and power of the Son, it was in that way that when we Christians recognize the position of sonship, daughtership, and the position of authority that God has allowed us to occupy, we can't lose. Now that's the bold statement, but it's a true statement. If we are in the will of God, <clears throat> that is paramount. If we are not functioning just in the vanity of our own minds, <clears throat> but if we have the assurance that God himself approves and is working with us, we will reap in due season if we faint not. Amen. And every one of us in the room have had experiences in the past when we were in that posture to win and probably did not win because we became discouraged and quit the task early or because we never believed in the beginning that it would really work anyway. <clears throat> we have to deal with those kind of inadequacies in ourselves. We hope you've enjoyed the Shulamite podcast. For all the latest from Shulamite Ministries, please visit us at shulamite.com, where you'll find Martha's daily devotions, posts from getalongwithgod.com, and the online library of all of Martha's writings. Thank you.
At Shulamite.com, downloading the free Shulamite app is easy, and livingchristianbooks.com is only a click away. Thank you for joining us on this journey to discover a God worth knowing.